Before we get going with this week's show, a word from our friends at Chalkboard. Imagine an app that brings your sports betting group chat to life. An app that can link to your sportsbook so you can easily share your bets with a simple click while following the game through a live in-chat score banner that makes it feel like you are in the stadium. Sounds too good to be true? That's no longer the case with Chalkboard. Chalkboard has turned sports betting into a complete group experience. Compete against your friends at the top of the leaderboard and share your winning bets in the message board. Be the expert with Chalkboard. Now, it's very simple. All you need to do, head on over to the App Store. You can download this for free. And then you also need to make sure that you get involved in the message board, specifically Odds Honest Truths message board. Now, that's a podcast from In The Money Media, producer Craig, Rich, you name it, a number of folks contribute to the show. That comes out once a week. But you can also get involved throughout the week over on the Odds Honest Truth message board as a part of the Chalkboard app. Uh, share your wagers, ride hot hands. Some folks are on hot winning streaks. Just feel free to tail them or impart a little bit of your own wisdom and your opinions. Get it out there. Help some other folks make a couple bucks on a couple games over on Chalkboard. The app is free. Be sure to download it today from the App Store. Now on to episode 95 of the podcast. What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, December the 13th, 2021. This is episode 95 of the show. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You've got a million ways to find the podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, or if you're over on YouTube and you like to watch a long search bar, Matt Bernier Show, you get this episode along with the 94 Prior, the uh, the voice is a little a little raspy. Had a little Christmas festival a few towns away from uh, where I live yesterday, and took part in some of the festivities. So uh, not quite bouncing back the way that I would have hoped. But here we are, feeling good. Going to talk about the Kentucky Oaks. I know we still have five plus months until the race is run, but similar to what we did a few weeks ago, looking at the Derby top ten list or top twenty list. This one will be a little bit different simply because there's one girl that's head and shoulders above everyone else, that being Echo Zulu, and then there's everyone else. So rather than just sit here and wax poetic about her, uh, why not look for maybe some other horses a little bit farther down the list or not on the list at all that could potentially be ones to keep an eye on going forward? Because the fact of the matter is right now, throughout the two-year-old campaign, Echo Zulu speed figures are miles better than any other two-year-old filly to this point. But the beauty of looking this far ahead, or however you want to say it, down the road, that doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way. Whether she improves or she plateaus and stays the same, some of these other girls are going to improve. There's no two ways around that. And maybe it'll be horses that we've never even heard of just yet. But point is... I think this is a good opportunity to perhaps look for some other under-the-radar types, let's say, that could potentially be challengers to Echo Zulu as far as the head of the three-year-old fillies are concerned next year. So we're going to get into that, and we'll wrap up with a little bit of a look ahead to the upcoming week's slate of games in the National Football League. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about the two-year-old fillies and looking toward next year's Kentucky Oaks and perhaps maybe some value to be had if you're looking at uh, – future better, something along those lines. All right, so you're taking a look at the, for those of you that are watching anyway, for those of you listening, I'll do my best to verbalize the Kentucky Oaks leaderboard as of today. This is, again, December 13th. 
long way to go, but Echo Zulu is far and away the fastest, and she is far and away the leader as far as points accumulated are concerned. She's at 30 points. Juju's map is second at 18, and then everyone else has 12 or less. Uh, Echo Zulu is, I would say, even if she doesn't improve, she's already fast, and the numbers she's earned would give her a puncher's chance in a race like the Kentucky Oaks if they ran it today. And, and I know that may sound a little aggressive, but what she's done on the racetrack has genuinely been special so far. I had, I don't want to say questions about her ability to get two turns, but I wanted her to prove it to me at a short price in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. We're going to take a look at that replay right now for those of you that are watching along over on YouTube. This was just a tour de force. This is the NBC Sports YouTube channel. She breaks on top. She goes right to the front and she puts the boots to the field. I think the thing, when I knew this race was very much over is when we go into the far turn and we'll get there in a bit but at this point you've got Tarabi sitting in just behind this is her first start in a few months first start going out to two turns you've got Juju's map hung three four paths rounding the first turn and I, I do genuinely believe despite the fact that she got out of the gates a little slow I don't think there was any real concern with this kind of trip for a horse like Juju's map yeah you had to go and run down the big girl but I think they would have taken their chances from here. Uh, you're out in the clear outside is kind of where you wanted to be both Friday and Saturday at Del Mar and the Breeders' Cup. But taking a look at this piece right here, Echo Zulu, the ears are up straight. She's just out there loving life on the front end. 47 flat, very moderate for a filly of this caliber. And for her to do it without any kind of pressure, I think that just speaks volumes that she's naturally that good. Now, this is when in my head, because again, I bet on Juju's map, I got nervous. Because when Florent Giroux starts to sidle up, I'm thinking, okay, this is when she's going to make her move. And then Flo's going to start to push on Juju a little bit. And when she can't keep pace with Echo Zulu, I said, oh, no, now it's going to be a matter of how far does this girl win by. You see the three-quarter number was just up a shade under 111 flat. And it's showtime from here. Echo Zulu just destroys this field. And I think it's a pretty good field. I haven't even mentioned Hidden Connection. We'll get to her when we take a look at the leaderboard again. But Echo Zulu has done nothing wrong in her career. She's genuinely blemish free there's really not a great deal to learn about her going forward i think she looks like she has the potential to be special and and i don't throw that kind of word around lightly i i could very easily see a scenario we're back here this the drf formulator you can go through and take a look at past performances and pull up horses i mean she she kind of has that feel of a Rachel Alexandra potential of a beholder potential. Um, think of other fillies who had the reason I'm not going to say Zenyatta because she just had such a different running style. Uh, think of a, an untappable, you know, some of these girls that had the ability to get out there and run fast early and not stop. And that's what Echo Zulu has been in all four lifetime starts. And for her to do this ranging from five and a half to a mile and a 16th, Based on the pedigree, the distance isn't going to be a problem. For me, it was genuinely just proved to me that the two turns isn't going to be an issue. It wasn't. She went out there and destroyed a field. If you want to say she hasn't really sat and passed someone yet, I'm going to agree with you. That would probably be the last, the last piece, truthfully. If you're looking for something to, to question her about, she's run fast. She's gone around two turns. She's done it at different racetracks. She's done it against the best of the best, and she's made the best of the best look very mediocre. Now it's, I suppose, you know, 
do you want to see her sit off of a off of a horse but at the same time with just the ability that she's shown she may be that kind of horse like an american pharaoh that you just sit there and go if it ain't broke don't fix it go on with it girlfriend you're far and away the best of the best uh she she does she gives off that impression that she may end up being a special animal and i'm going to be very very interested to see where she shows up to start her three-year-old campaign. I don't know this for certain. I would, I don't even know where she's stabled. I would think it's the fairgrounds. Fairgrounds are Oaklawn. I mean, that's where Aspenson's horses typically do their running at the beginning of the year. Um, and I think the thing that was more impressive to me than the numbers and all the other aspects, the company she did this against, I do honestly believe that Juju's map is a really talented filly. I think Hidden Connection is a good filly. And I think Tarabi, Tarabi's one that I was a little dubious going into it. I did like both of her first two starts, but she had been gone for quite some time. And for Cherie DeVoe and company to bring her back off of a lengthy layoff, first time going out to two turns, and for her to be the one chasing Echo Zulu and to not back up any worse than she, I mean, she only lost third, or excuse me, lost second by a half length to Juju's map. And she earned a career best fig of 85. She continues to improve. She's a filly with a pedigree that makes you think that longer's better for her. I, you know, I thought this was a really respectable effort from her. Hidden connection, you know, I, I can go either way with her because as talented as I think she is, my concern with her going into the juvenile fillies, and there's a part of me that believes this is kind of what happened. I know she got out of the gates badly, bobbled ended up having to you know settle a little bit farther off but she had never truly seen speed like that and of that caliber it's one thing to see that speed going five and a half against maidens who are you know a fraction of your ability like she did at colonial when she won the pocahontas she was up on a very tepid pace and it just seemed unlikely that she was going to be able to procure that kind of position facing a much faster pace early on. That's exactly how it played out. And again, I understand she got out of the gates poorly. She bobbled. Don't hold that against her. But I also don't believe that she would have been up there pushing the pace either. And for her to kind of flatten out the way that she did, it, I do wonder. I'm not. It's far too early to sit here and say that she's not of the, the same caliber as the other girls. Please don't get me wrong with that. But she does need to prove with a faster pace against better horses that she can still deliver one of those, you know, we saw two mid to high 80 buyer speed figures in her first two starts. She needs to prove that she can do that kind of, she can do that sort of thing against better horses, basically, with less advantageous circumstances. Juju's map, you know, was it a disappointing performance? I think it, it was and it wasn't. Because the way that that race played out, again, I don't know that you would have wanted to trade places with anyone, maybe other than Echo Zulu. But she was in the clear. She had every opportunity. And when the real running began, she just couldn't quite run with Echo Zulu. And she, you know, gutted it out to finish a half length ahead of Tarabi, which maybe at face value, some folks could look at it and go, well, who's Tarabi? You know, in my opinion, I think Tarabi is actually a pretty good filly. I think all of the girls in this race are, are pretty solid, which goes back to the Oaks leaderboard right now. Those are your top three anyway, as far as points earned are concerned. And then you go into the, the more, let's say the less known commodities. 
the next group of girls, they have won races, they have earned points, but they haven't done it maybe against the best of the best. So let's take a look at Dreamlith. She won the golden rod at Churchill Downs at the end of November for Robertino Diodoro. She's a good filly, but when you go through and take a look, and again, when you just framing it in context with the way the race was run, the second and third place finishers, and even the fourth place finisher, they were all forwardly placed in this race. Dreamlith was hung wide. She came with a sustained bid, and I, I did like the race. There was a very good effort from her. The concern becomes she's just not particularly fast. You know, career best buyer of 82. It's early. That was a November race for a two-year-old. It's not an embarrassing number by any means, but it just pales in comparison to what Echo Zulu is capable of. And the difficult piece for me with a horse like Dreamlith, keep in mind, that was also her first start with blinkers. So maybe she will continue to improve. My concern with a horse like, like this filly, even if she continues to improve, she doesn't have the early foot that some of the other fillies do. So she's going to do her best running from off of it. She's going to be dependent on pace, specifically someone softening up a horse like Echo Zulu. And she's going to have to work out a trip. You, you combine those things, let's say in, in some scenario, she becomes the second best filly. It's still a difficult proposition to really sink your teeth into because she has a lot of things that go against her in a dirt race, as opposed to a horse like Echo Zulu that's going to be out there either on the front or, or pushing things. A horse like Dreamlith, any horse coming from off the pace is going to have a few obstacles that they're going to have to overcome that there's no guarantee that that's going to work. And at a short price or a shorter price, assuming she continues to improve, that becomes you know, a, a bit of a, a thing for me that I don't, I don't necessarily love, but I can understand why people look at her rightfully so she's she's very talented and she's already accomplished quite a bit and it's never a bad thing to have a victory over churchill downs racetrack knowing that that's where they're going to be running the first friday in may now beyond her that's when you start getting into some other names that well recently anyway a filly like nest we're going to go back take a look at the demoiselle this is the stretch run of this race rounding the far turn i should say this is just a few weeks ago She's in the Rapoli Silks on the far outside. Now, I've been a fan of Nest really since her debut. And by the way, those of you that are watching on YouTube, this is from the Naira YouTube channel. I, I do genuinely like Nest. I think she's talented. Right now, it looks like she's going to win this race by five. And instead, she gets into an all-out battle. I, you can look at this one of two ways. That the horses that run in New York this time of year... Yes, it's a mile and an eighth, and it's nice that she's proven that already. But, but they're usually a notch below, or they have been anyway in the past, let's say, 10 years. I, I would have liked to have seen her go by in a more impressive fashion than, than this. I like that she is proven at a mile and an eighth. I do maintain that she's a distance type of filly. I don't think she's one that wants to go shorter. I think she's won races in spite of the distances. And now that you get her out to longer runs, I think she actually is at her best. But then you look at the clock and you just go, man, that it didn't look that impressive. You know, rounding the far turn, I, I really thought she was going to go off and win by four or five. For her to win by a neck, the fig comes back light, 76 buyer for her and Venti Valentine and Magic Circle. It just, I, I, it's too early to, 
to give up on a horse like this. I mean, they paid a lot of money for her. She's got a beautiful pedigree. She's in good hands with Pletcher and Rapoli and, and Eclipse and, and Arad. She just, she's going to need to get faster. There's no two ways around it. I, I like the way she she shapes up. I like the, the look of her. But boy, she's going to need to find quite a bit between now and the beginning of May and hope that not only does she find, but Echo Zulu doesn't get any better. Now, some of the other horses that you could potentially have forgotten about because we haven't heard the name in a little while. One that, that does interest me long-term, and I don't even know what the latest news is with her, is a filly called Ain't Easy for Phil D'Amato. And she won the chandelier out at Santa Anita. This is in the beginning of October. She was going to go to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Unfortunately, I believe it was a bit of an illness. She was forced to miss the race. Again, don't know what her training situation is. Uh, I haven't seen anything, haven't heard anything. Any of you know, tweet at me at Bernie or underscore Matt, or if you happen to be on YouTube or you want to go over to the YouTube channel, leave a comment beneath the video player. This is the entirety of the chandelier. She's, it's, it's an interesting spot. She broke from post two and she's going to actually have to take back a little bit and take some dirt in her face down on the inside. And I think the thing that I'm most impressed by with this filly so far is that this was her second lifetime start and the professionalism that she shows in this race they're rounding the first turn they're going on to the backside. she's a little bit keyed up but nothing crazy it's not as though she's throwing her head about and really rank but for her to willingly go down through on the inside when she goes and makes her move i'm actually going to fast forward it through to that point right here she's going to start to shoot up the inside and that's not a comfortable position really for any horse but especially an inexperienced two-year-old, never mind, it doesn't really make a difference whether it's a Colt or a Philly, in my opinion, but for, for an inexperienced two-year-old to make a move like the one she did, yeah, it was a little bit of a moderate pace, but I like the way she does it. The ears immediately go up when she hits the front, waiting for her cue. Joel Rosario eventually gives her her head, and she draws off and wins for fun. And no, maybe this wasn't the greatest field that she's that you're ever going to see, but I just thought it was a really impressive effort for a second time starter stretching out in distance, doing something a little bit different for the first time, taking dirt in her face. I, I don't get the impression that distance is going to be a problem for her whenever she comes back. I'm going to be very curious to see what the path to Kentucky would be for her. I, you know, off the top of my head, the motto is not one that I think of as far as shipping frequently outside of California and you know what she won't have to with the the set of races that they've got down there to get to a race like the Kentucky Oaks but she's just a really intriguing candidate to me because it does feel like perhaps we've forgotten about her because she's been gone for a long time and I, I don't know I mean I just I I like everything she's done she can sit off of horses she can be close to the pace not saying she's necessarily as fast as Echo Zulu, but she's not slow by any stretch. You know, you're going to look at an 81 buyer and go, well, she's 15 points almost slower than Echo Zulu. Keep in mind, especially in the two-year-old campaign, they can improve so quickly and by such large margins. So yeah, she was roughly 13 points slower than the winning number for Echo Zulu in the juvenile Phillies. That race was at the beginning of November. This race was October 1st for Ain't Easy. 
I think it's reasonable to think that she could have jumped up 10 points. And if she did that, no, she probably doesn't beat Echo Zulu, but she's right there. She's actually probably ahead of a Juju's map or a Tarabi or anyone else in that race. So if we're looking five months from now or four and a half months from now, who's to say that it ain't easy, can't pick some things up and be the one to improve and potentially be a, a challenger to Echo Zulu? I think this is a Philly that maybe you want to, you know, go back if you haven't watched the career debut, but it was really strong, very impressive effort down at Del Mar, five and a half, winning from off the pace, not the easiest thing in the world to do. She sat in behind horses that day as well. I think there's a lot to like about Ain't Easy. She's one that I think may be a little bit under the radar. Now you get into some other girls that a little bit on the slow side. Mama Rena, not really a huge fan. We talked about Tarabi, Cairo Memories. She looks so good in some of those turf races in Southern California. She runs in the juvenile Phillies turf. I'm not going to hold that against her. Came back and ran on dirt and lost. In general, I thought that run in the Starlet, I'm not going to show that. I didn't love any of them. Thought it was just kind of a meh group. Jerry Mander for Chad. Fine Philly. Don't love her, but she's okay. Yuri Guri, Yuguri, however you want to pronounce it. Don't love her. Distinctly possible, a little bit intriguing for Chad. And I think that's one of those races that it's one for me that's going to be a, a key race that distinctly possible comes out of the last time we saw her run. That happened to be the Alcibiades at Keeneland. That was the race that Juju's map won for fun. We're going to go back and watch that race. Now, this is as the field turns onto the backside. This is from the NBC Sports YouTube channel. The reason I'm intrigued in this race. Yes, Juju's map, because I like her. Yes, because Distinctly Possible, who we were just talking about, she's in this spot as well. There's a Philly that's not on the Oaks leaderboard because she doesn't have any points right now. But I'm really, really intrigued. Maybe even more so than the intrigue for Ain't Easy. I'm very intrigued with Penny Saver. Now, Penny Saver is in the white silks, for those of you that are watching along, those of you that are listening, she's going onto the backside. You can find the replay, you know, anywhere, basically. But she's, let's say, five lengths off of it right now as they go onto the backside. She had a rough post. I picked her in better this day when we were doing the show. And I didn't think it was a terrible effort, given the ground loss. We're going to let the tape run. She's about four or five path off the rail, widest of them all. She's going to try to make a move as they get ready to enter the far turn, try to narrow that gap a little bit, moved into the hottest part of the pace, and she just couldn't really hang on. She'll eventually find her way down toward the inside. But I, I didn't think this race was nearly as bad as maybe the final margin of defeat would suggest. You know, it's going to make it look like when you look at the PPs there, the chart and say, oh, she's just not nearly as good as Juju's map. And maybe she's not. You can see she's making this big move right now or trying to get into the race. But unfortunately for her, there's a long way out. And she just can't keep pace with Juju's map. Right now, has struck the front. Matt Array is going to back up badly. Really, anybody that was relatively close to the front, and I say relatively close, Penny Saver fits into that bill. They all backed up. Juju's map was the only one who stuck around, and that's what makes this race that much more impressive to me. Penny Saver right now is down toward the inside. Green sleeves, green hat, white body. She's going to flatten out badly here. The reason I'm intrigued with her the maiden score prior to this race was visually awesome at Churchill Downs. She went right to the front, blew the doors off of a suspect field. 
by the way, Dreamlith was also in this race that we just saw. She was rallying from slightly off of it. She returned and won that golden rod that we were chatting about. Penny Saver, though, then came back out of the Alcibiades and ran in a one-turn mile at Churchill Downs on October 31st, and she won by 10 and a half lengths. She earned an 84 buyer, which was relatively close or on par with the 85 she earned in her maiden score going two turns. The 74 she earned in the Alcibiades, for the reasons I laid out, thought she had to run into the pace. And good, guess what? She just wasn't as good as Juju that day. I, I think this filly can run. I think if you're being honest right now, though, A, she's not as fast as any of the big girls, which is fine. But she's not, she's not miles off. The concern I have is, can she pass horses? And if she can't, let's say, does she have the ability to get out there and run early with Echo Zulu, perhaps put her away and then have enough stamina left to deal with a dream lith or someone, a Juju's map coming from slightly off of it or any of the other, a Tarabi? Can she deal with all of that? until she proves that she can sit and pass horses. Because I don't know that she's going to be able to win the battle. She may be able to win the battle against an Echo Zulu. But she's going to lose the war. And in all likelihood, she's probably going to lose the battle to Echo Zulu as well. I think the, the scenario in which you defeat Echo Zulu is someone needs to go. Make life miserable for Echo Zulu early on. And then have a horse who has enough tactical speed, who can be within a, a length or two during the race while not expending too much energy. Watching those two go at it, or three, however many decide to go. Watch them take their shots at Echo Zulu, and then you try to warm up on the far turn and try to make your mark. I don't know if Penny Saver can do that. I know a horse like Ain't Easy can. But they're the two that I'm probably most intrigued with. I really do love Nest. She's just a little slow right now. And keep in mind, everything I'm talking about right now is we, we are in December of the two-year-old year for all of these girls. Some of them won't get any better, but there's going to be some of them that do get much better. And there may be some names that we haven't even touched on here that could end up being major players in the division. But if you're trying to put together a scenario in which Echo Zulu gets defeated, I think you need some help and you can't be the one trying to go and get her. I haven't seen any of these fillies right now that I think are just naturally good enough to beat her. I think Echo Zulu's best is just that much better than everybody else's right now. If she improves, boy. I mean, you're talking about a special filly. If she doesn't, she still might be better than everyone else. And that's a scary thought. We've seen two-year-olds come out precocious and they just kind of plateau. I, I, don't, I don't think that'll be the case with her, but I don't know. If she plateaus, I think you, the way you beat her is you get someone to go at her early it would be a longer shot, but it, I mean, truth be told, if you're a, a 50 to one shot in any of these upcoming races, and it's the difficult thing, especially with Phillies, because if you hit the board, you're made as a broodmare, which is part of the problem with horse racing. You could be a, a, a 10 claimer, but if you run third in a graded stake, you're going to end up selling for much more than you probably should. 
neither here nor there. I think the only way for these longer shots to win a race, like uh, making it up, whatever the prep is for the Oaks, is you just got to go at Echo Zulu and hope for whatever reason she cracks. If you're one of the better horses, I think you need to hope that someone does that, kind of becomes a sacrificial lamb, and then it takes just enough out of Echo Zulu's sails that you then pounce and can take advantage. A couple fillies, I think, could potentially be capable of doing that sort of thing would be an, an ain't easy and a penny saver. I like Nest. She's a little slow. She's going to have to improve. Dream Lith, I wouldn't argue with anybody that likes her. She's also a little slow. She has a different running style. She would probably need a complete meltdown to take advantage. But you never know. So much can happen. They can develop at different rates. If all of a sudden somebody turns it on, maybe we're having a different discussion here in a few weeks' time. But right now, stating the obvious, it's Echo Zulu's division, and everybody else got a long way to go to try to catch her. Let me know on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt, or if you're over on YouTube beneath the video player, let me know if there are other Phillies that you find intriguing, some pedigrees, any of those sort of things. I'm open to going through and taking a look at a couple different names and going over them. If there's some specific horses, both for the, the boys and the girls. If there are some names that didn't come up in the Derby point standing show or this one here for the Oaks, let me know. Maybe we can go through and sift, look for some hidden gems. Now's the time to do that, especially if you're some of the folks like myself, if you like to get involved with a future wager, now is when you can get some of these horses at 200 to one or 150 to one or even greater odds than that. You got to do a little bit of work. You got to go searching for diamonds. Doesn't always happen, but sometimes it can. If you feel like sharing, let us know. All right, let's get on to some football. All right, NFL Week 15. Burn through some games. We've got Saturday games that are back now. You got a Saturday afternoon and a Saturday night game. Let's start on Thursday night first. Kansas City Chiefs at the LA Chargers. The Chargers are four-point home dogs. I have Kansas City winning 25 to 23, so they don't cover, but I think they win outright. Uh, should be a pretty decent game. Looks like the Chiefs are finally getting things back going, but always tough when you get those divisional games and the Chargers cannot afford any more losses really at this point. I have Kansas City winning though, 25 to 23. Saturday afternoon, you've got the Raiders at the Cleveland Browns. Browns are six and a half point home favorites. I have them winning 23 to 18 over Vegas. So another one where you're not going to cover the number, but I think Cleveland gets the job done. Saturday night, probably the game of the week. Patriots at the Colts. The Patriots are two-point road dogs. I have them winning outright, 25 to 24. No, that's not a homer piece. Uh, oddly enough, I have New England based on the power ratings as the... If I can get this to work, for whatever reason, taking a minute, I have New England ranked third behind Arizona and for some reason Dallas is up there based on the numbers, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I, I think New England's legit. I think Indianapolis is legit too. I think it should be a good game. Um, Belichick off the bye is typically a pretty tough nut to crack. Uh, I think the Patriots win. I'm debating on betting that right now. Uh, yeah, Pats 25-24 in Indy on Saturday night. Uh, let's move on to one of the games that there's not a line for, so I'm not going to really offer anything there. Uh, for whatever reason, well, I say for whatever reason, the Panthers at the Bills, the whole Josh Allen thing with the turf toe, uh, there's not a line listed, so, and I'm not going to go through and put out a, a prediction because I don't have any idea who's going to play quarterback. So, uh, really, for either team, 
because I believe Walker came in to relief Cam Newton. And I mean, the Panthers is just a mess right now. So uh, not going to go over that one. Uh, we can move on to the Arizona Cardinals at the Detroit Lions. The Lions are 14-point home dogs. Uh, I actually think Arizona covers that. I have them winning 32-15. to 15. Things could change slightly based on the Monday night game tonight with the Rams and the Cardinals, but um, as, uh, assuming no one gets hurt, specifically Kyler Murray, uh, I have the Cardinals winning 32-15 to 15 in Detroit. Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags are three-point home favorites. I mean, this is kind of the toilet bowl of all toilet bowls. Honestly, neither of these teams probably want to win this game. Um, I shouldn't say that the players want to win. I'm sure the front office would prefer to lose. I actually have it 16 to 16, but I don't think Jacksonville should be a three-point favorite over anyone. So that would be a game where not just because I have it projected out as a tie, but I, I would take the points with the Texans because I I just think Houston's actually a better team than, than Jacksonville is right now. But the, the toilet bowl of all toilet bowls. New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are eight-and-a-half-point home favorites. Um, I have the Jets losing, but... I don't think Miami covers that number. I've got Miami winning 22 to 17. As bad as the Jets are, and I know Miami's on a bit of a run, eight and a half is a big number. And I just, it's still a divisional game. I, I, I think that could be a sneaky instance where perhaps you can you can get the Jets to kind of cover that piece there at eight and a half. So uh, I have Miami winning 22 to 17, but I don't know that I'd be willing to lay eight and a half if you're a Dolphins fan or you're looking to bet the Dolphins. Uh, Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants. The Giants are 10 and a half point home dogs. Uh, I've got the Cowboys covering that number, 30-16 to 16 over the Giants. I just think Dallas is a good team. They have some flaws. I'm not going to argue that. But, boy, when they're when they're firing on all cylinders, they're, they're one of the best teams in the league. And, and, again, my ratings have them actually in the top two. I don't know if I totally believe that, but um, the numbers are the numbers, and that's what it's spitting out. So uh, that's part of what I use when, I, when these numbers come together. But 30-16, to 16, Cowboys over the Giants. At MetLife, uh, Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles. This was an interesting one because the number right now, the Eagles are five and a half point home favorites. Uh, I guess it's still TBD. Who's going to be quarterback coming off the bye? Is it going to go back to Jalen Hurts or is it going to be uh, Gardner Minshew? In the two different scenarios, we'll start off with Jalen Hurts as quarterback. I have the Eagles winning 25 to 17. If Minshew is the quarterback, I have the Eagles winning 27 to 16. Uh, you may ask why the Washington score changes by a point. It, it's a combination for me, the way that I go through with my numbers. It's the fact that Minshew, I have being a more valuable quarterback right now than Hurts. The football team's defense actually will not gain more points. And again, I know it's a, I'm not going to get into all the details, but point being, because Minshew, I think, is better and the numbers would suggest he's better, um, Washington would actually lose a point. So it may seem a little convoluted, but trust me with the numbers. It is what it is. Uh, basically, I'm suggesting that they should go with Minshew, but not my decision. Tennessee Titans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers are two-point home dogs. I have Tennessee winning 25-21. to 21. Uh, The Packers and Ravens game, there is no lineup simply because of the whole Lamar Jackson thing, so we'll bypass that one. Cincinnati Bengals at the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are one-and-a-half-point home favorites. I have them winning 21-20. to 20. Uh, So that one's a very, very tight match. Uh, Atlanta Falcons at the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are nine-point home favorites. I have them winning 26-17, to 17, so that's a game I would stay away from. I think the number's right on. Seattle Seahawks at the LA Rams. Again, that could change slightly based on the Monday night game, uh, but the Rams are seven-point home favorites. I have them winning 26-20. to 20. Uh, Those divisional games are always tight out in the West, and 
I don't like, I don't particularly like Seattle, but I don't know that I necessarily want to just totally dismiss them against a Rams team that they've had their moments where they they just don't perform as well as they should. The Monday night game will probably go a long way into telling you, are they truly, do they have it together or are they kind of a, a paper tiger? Um, but I do have the Rams winning, not covering the seven. Uh, Saints at Bucks, Tampa, 11-point home favorites. I have them winning 29-20, to 20, so not covering the number. The Saints are coming off of a big victory, as are the Bucks. The Bucks in overtime over the uh, Buffalo Bills the other day. Uh, you know, no surprise that Tampa should win this game, although the Saints have given Brady fits basically in every game that he's played against them since he moved down to Tampa. So it uh, wouldn't surprise me if it does become a little bit of a tighter game or maybe it's not the cleanest Brady effort. Um, but I do think it's uh, a Bucks win. They keep trending toward that, you know, arguably best team in the NFC. Uh, but I don't think they cover the 11 points, 29 to 20. And there's not a lineup just yet for whatever reason for the Vikings and Bears game. Maybe that has to do with Dalvin Cook, although he ran for 200 yards the other night. Um, maybe there's something else that I've just missed. But I have the Vikings beating the Bears 26 to 18 uh, on, what would that be, Monday night of next week? So uh, there you have it. There are some games to consider. And some lines, I guess if I was just looking at numbers, my projections versus some of the, the lines out there, the, you know, the Cowboys, I mean, 10 and a half is a big number, but maybe you want to lay the 10 and a half. Um, and then the Jets and Dolphins game, that's really another one that kind of sticks out. I'd probably take the eight and a half points of, uh, on the Jets. And then the toilet bowl between the Texans and the Jags, I would take the three points with Houston. And on Saturday night, the Patriots game, they're catching two points. I'd probably bet them outright. Um, curious now that I'm talking about it. What are they on the, I mean, it's plus 105. So you're not, you know, breaking any, it's nothing crazy, but I think that's very fair value. I would, I would take that over the catching the two points at minus 110. I'd rather take the 15 bucks if you're going to offer it to me. Because I think, I don't think they're going to lose by one, put it that way. Uh, I would take the Patriots out right there. So there's a couple games for you to consider from week 15 in the NFL. Let me know what your thoughts are there on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt or beneath the video player on YouTube. Um, if you're curious and you're somebody that gets involved in college basketball, I've been firing away over on Twitter. Um, I feel very, very confident with the way my model has come together for college basketball. Um, the, so far, I mean, I got two more plays going on tonight, but we're t right around 58%. Um, and... I think the thing that's interesting for me is to go through, and I, I tweeted, I was watching a, a game on Monday afternoon in the midst of recording the podcast of, say what you will about the NBA. And I know some folks go, oh, it's just, you know, they're traveling and nobody takes any jump shots or it's, it's only three pointers or dunks or this, that, and the other. I'll tell you what, man, they're still the best of the best. They're the best in the world at what they do, NBA players. And when they have an open jump shot, they hit it. And for the most part, from the free throw line, they make their free throws. And they're not missing bunnies around the hoop. I know I wasn't watching two of the better teams in D1 on Monday, but holy cow, man. It was just like, and I lost the bet. I, I It was basically a pick between Chicago State and uh, Northern Illinois. And holy smokes, like the kids just, I think both teams combined well, first, there were a million fouls. It was a gross game to watch. There was no flow to it. They were both in the bonus, both in the double bonus, I think, with like 10 minutes left. And it was just one of those things where I th one team shot 51% from the free throw line. The other one shot 60. Uh, overall, one team shot 
from the field. The other shot just under 50, somewhere thereabouts. Like it just say what you will about the NBA. Maybe it's not your cup of tea from an entertainment standpoint, but they are so far superior <laughs> to some of these D1 teams that I've watched lately. It's just incredible. And if you're someone who bets specifically college basketball, don't ever overlook, and this sounds obvious, but don't ever overlook a team's ability to make free throws because not that all games play out the way this one did that I watched this afternoon, but it, it comes down to a free throw shooting contest in many instances, and if you can't make your bunnies, you know, you got you to put the freebies home. If you don't do that, it's going to be tough to win, especially when you get to March. So um, if you're curious about college basketball plays, head on over to my Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. That's going to do it for episode 95 of this show. However, you've been listening. Thank you for doing so. You know all the ways to find the show. Please rate, review, and subscribe however you check us out. Thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, five stars, whatever it may be. I appreciate it all. Uh, and then just kind of questions, comments, concerns. Let me know. I, I'm happy to cater this show to all the listeners and anybody that's viewing as well. Because really, that's all that matters. I want to make content that you all want to take in and listen to. So um, just a, also a bit of a programming piece. There will be showing next week, but that will be the last one of the year. I'm going to take that week between Christmas and New Year's off. So uh, we'll fire it back up beginning of uh, 22. So we'll be on next week. Hopefully, I, I got something in mind for next week. We'll see if I can pull it off. Uh, but that will be the last show of 2021. So just I'm going to get that on your radar ahead of time. Uh, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play for the rest of this week. This has been episode 95 of the Matt Bernier Show. Matt Bernier Show.